You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, joining me today from Sports Illustrated, Zach Goodall. And Zach, you know, we're going over SEC Media Days here. You were down there at SEC Media Days in Atlanta. And first off, how did part of my hometown treat you, first of all? And what was the atmosphere like there, man? Um, It was it, it was a great first time for me to go to SEC Media Days. I've not been able to do it before because – Right when I got here and started covering Florida was when COVID happened and they had the postponement and last year was kind of up in the air and I couldn't make it at the last second. So it was cool to finally get up there and see what the event is all about. They do not ever need to host this in the Omni ever again. Um, I understand obviously having it at the Hall of Fame and that's great and I loved the setup in there. But I, you know how the Omni and the CFB Hall of Fame are like two attached buildings and there's... We had to go back and forth between the buildings probably five to ten times because there was no structure to, hey, your player availabilities will all be here and your meeting with Coach Napier will all be here. It was all over the place. And I get it. There's Radio Row. They have different things. But the local media that follows these coaches from their corners of the country don't need to be. I don't want to say treated like chopped liver, but like, you know, it's not emphasize to make sure things are convenient so we can get our jobs done to the best of our abilities. Uh, that's my only complaint. Otherwise, I, I had a great time. And obviously, Atlanta is a very, very fun place. Yeah, uh, I could imagine what it was like, especially with now that they're adding so much stuff to SEC Media Days. There's new media outlets in there and all that. And they're having to make all the room for it. And uh, I could imagine like the the walking distances you guys had to go and all the hoops that you guys had to jump through. Uh, but yeah, that the Omni there, the College Football Hall of Fame, it's a great facility down there. There's a lot of great restaurants around in that area. Uh, just a great all-around good atmosphere in Atlanta, man. As I said, I live like 20, 25 miles away. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't able to get down there. Our work's been busy. So uh, next year, I'm probably going to have to make some time and see if I can go in there and see some of the sights and sounds. Um Speaking of media days, though, uh, Billy Napier, he started out media days, took the stage and uh, was asked a good bit about SEC, Kirby Smart, recruiting, so forth like that. But one thing that really stood out to me here, Zach, is Billy Napier. I've been to the Atlanta Gator Gathering Tour and I've been to all these other tours that Billy Napier's been on. He stuck to his principles. I mean, we've heard this in previous interviews, like uh, just everything that he broke down, especially talking about mowing his own grass and worried about Florida and all that. Uh, it, it just sounds the same. And the thing is, is like that that's a good thing, though, is like you see a lot of these head coaches and they'll say something. But then in the next interview, they go back on maybe what they said or their principles. And it's something different. Billy Napier, I mean, He's pretty set forth on Florida, his principles, his things, and uh, going into seven months here. Uh, what do you think the general thoughts were about Billy Dapier amongst the various reporters around the nation? So, yeah, it's it was the same message, right? We really didn't have any news. There was nothing yeah. noteworthy that came out of Media Days from a reporting perspective on Florida, except to toot my own horn. Um, Anthony Richardson's quote about Josh Allen and uh, Aaron Rodgers, or not a quote, I guess I just asked him about it kind of to the side. Um, but those that those are his ignition reels, uh, players that Napier is having him study. Probably the most relevant bit of news or information to come out of Florida's. Otherwise, right, it was 
the same message that I think a lot of Florida fans have heard. Uh, but the thing is, is that this is Napier's first time in person getting to spread that message to other people, you know, other reporters across the country and kind of set the expectations. And I've said it all along. I think Napier has taken every single chance he's gotten and some to temper expectations. So Florida fans aren't expecting a 10 year win, um, 10 win year, his first season in charge. The depth is bad. Um, he says everything but the word bad when he talks about depth, that they have a good first team, but they are not in a position to roll guys out um, right now if there are any injuries. I mean, Anthony Richardson is obviously the most notable one with an injury history. If yeah. he goes out, they're not winning games with what they have at backup quarterback. And you can say that really about every position on the roster at this time. So Napier did his best to let people know Right. We're mowing our own grass. We're focused on the plan that we've put in place. And it goes back to his introductory press conference in Florida that this was not ever going to be an overnight fix. Uh, he and I forget the exact quote, but I'm almost certain he said, you know, this is going to be a, a one to two year thing where we have to go in and totally rebuild the recruiting efforts to build better depth and get this team from top to bottom where it needs to be. And as a result, you know, People might not love that. Florida fans obviously have high expectations. They will. I've been called a clown for saying I think they're going to win six or seven games this year. And I get it. It's not the best projection in the world. It's not the most exciting. But I look at it as if a lot of those losses are one score losses to a team like Georgia or Texas A&M, even Kentucky and these schools that are going to give Florida some problems you can feel pretty optimistic that by year two with the way things are going in recruiting and the structure they have, that those games turn into wins. Uh, sorry, long tangent there. Bottom line is not new stuff from Billy Napier, but he spread this message and this is how I interpret it to the masses. And, and, and I mean, I think it will certainly help long-term where if Florida does lose to Utah and Kentucky and starts 0-2, National media won't necessarily be saying, oh, no, Billy Napier is a failure. Get him out of here. They'll go back and look at media days and look at what he said and, and probably realize, you know, he he was being pretty honest with us when he said this is going to take some time to rebuild. Uh, so that's uh, at least that's what I would hope. I mean, again, it goes back to the very first press conference. The expectations have been tempered just so people understand the long term things will be better as long as everything goes to plan. Yeah, we had some of our fearless leaders there from Dog Nation, like Mike Griffith, all the the, the great people that everybody like there, uh, ask him about Kirby Smart and the road to the playoff. And he basically just said, and this is a quote, we, we got a lot of grass to mow. It's our grass, not anybody else's. We got a lot of work to do. It's one day at a time. It's one person at a time. And it's that is the approach that we're taking. So, Zach, I know you, Dave, Nick, uh, a lot of you other guys out there uh, were – with Billy Napier after he got off the stage behind the scenes there, you had an interview separately from uh, what we saw at SEC media days. Uh, what was said there and what happened? Really not much else. Honestly, it was, um, we had about 10 minutes and quite a few of us in there and really a lot of the same stuff that's been covered all off season was covered. There was nothing too groundbreaking. Uh, he talked a lot more about Anthony, obviously Anthony Richardson has been in the news for some non-football stuff and yet Napier has just testified that he's growing every single day and maturing. 
Obviously, he said it all along that there's a lot of really great physical skills there that I think everyone is aware of at this point and that he needed to continue developing. Same deal, kind of tempering expectations, but also said because of this, because of the work he's put in, because of the leadership and growth that we've seen during the offseason, even in spite of you know, the, the speeding ticket, right. Or obviously I thought it was a great move for him to move away from the AR 15 branding just because he's a football player and not a gun. And, um, but that obviously triggered quite a few people and and it's the same deal that Napier has been really impressed with the way Anthony has handled himself in response to people being upset about that or everyone coming after him because there was a speeding ticket, I also just got a speeding ticket. So I guess you guys can all come after me too. I was going 20 over in a 70. I'm writing an um, article right now, man. <laughs> it's like, I, I, that's, that's really my biggest takeaway. And it was the same thing he was saying on the stage, but I guess a little bit more in depth talking to us. Cause he knows that we know Anthony, that the growth you want to see off the field paired with what we know he can do on the field is everything Napier's wanted to see so far this offseason and more. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of glad you mentioned Anthony Richardson there because he took the stage as well. Uh, he was asked about being the uh, Maxwell Award watch list and all of that, being preseason first-round draft pick. And he quoted here, he says, you just got to take everything in one minute at a time, a second at a time, just embrace it all because a lot of people want to be in my shoes. Just can't take everything for granted. Now, you know, he's went from driving Hellcats now and doing backflips and dancing and such. No longer the Hellcat. He's got, what, a Camry now, I believe, right? A yeah. Toyota Camry. Um, as you said, got rid of the AR-15 motto, did all of that. So yeah, he's really taken a leadership approach, and he really has showed that he cares about, you know, not only what he does as far as branding his name or what he does off the field. He's really started to kind of mature and grow up into that kind of leadership role. Um, did you personally see like a new, improved, focused Anthony Richardson? No, because I, I've gotten to know Anthony pretty well since he was a high school recruit and commit to Florida. And I've always been impressed, at least when he's speaking with me or speaking with people behind a microphone with his maturity. He is a young guy. Backflips when you're injured, not a smart thing. Speeding in an area like Newberry, not a smart thing. 19 years old at the time, 20 now, young kid. Again, I'm 23 and I was coming, I mean, I was in the 90s, but I was not far away from pushing 100 myself and I'm dumb for that, but we move on and no one cares. Um, and, and I see it with Anthony too. You know, the maturity has always been there. It's getting better. I wouldn't say it was like this drastic new Anthony Richardson. I think he's just the same guy he's always been who's a stand-up football player and person who is learning to be an adult with all the pressure in the world on his shoulders at this point. And and he's responding to things the right way Uh, with the AR 15, with the speeding, with the, with the court mandated essay that he wrote. I thought that it was really good stuff. I think he is addressing things the way you want to see the starting quarterback at a place like Florida do it. And then you've just got to be impressed with, how quickly he's adapting, how quickly he's maturing and learning for a guy, again, that's 20 years old. I'm impressed. 
Yeah, I, I, I can attest to that because I've hit about 140 in a uh, Dodge Charger before, too, which is actually funny because he had a Hellcat, so that was the fastest I ever went was my dad had an old Super B, so I went about 140, maybe 160 in that when I was around 22, 23, so uh, that was the uh, <laughs> most of an adrenaline rush that I've gotten from that, but uh, I mean, like, you know, you see kids, they grow up, and, and you gotta, sometimes you just gotta go through some crap to learn some lessons and never do it again, and and. and Unfortunately, you know, Anthony Richard, he got a speeding ticket, no big deal, but at least it was just that. It could have been a lot worse. So, I mean, right. I, personally, I've, I go 15, 20 over a lot. So if I get one, you can write an article about me next. But, um, you know, one thing about this Richardson interview that I kind of took away, and it may be little, it may be small, but I kind of like took it away. He said uh, they were they were asking about offense, and he said, I'm going to push the tempo a lot, inferring that this offense is going to be sped up a bit. We haven't seen that in a while from a Florida from Florida offense. I don't know about you, Zach, but I, I kind of like that with all the running backs and the you know the dual threat quarterback we got there, some of the tight ends. An up tempo offense may not be bad for this Florida Gator team. I think there is a very strong misconception out there about what this offense is going to look like because they are going to do way more 12 personnel as noted than Dan Mullen did. And what we see in a lot of these up-tempo spread offenses, uh, the misconception is also added to with the idea that Napier ran the ball, I think 59 point something percent of the time at Louisiana in four years. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And people see that as this is going to be boring and conservative and they're just going to try and control the clock. Sorry about my dog. He is all, all over the place and crazy. But um, but that's the thing is if you actually go back and watch, they do like to go up tempo. They do like to push the ball down the field and they will run the ball to set that up. And Anthony is the perfect quarterback for that type of deal because, you know, he can draw guys in as a rusher himself, much less. So you've got three talented running backs back there that are going to contribute maybe four if Trevor Etienne is able to play this year. And he's got the arm to take the shots downfield. You go back and watch the Sun Belt Championship game against Appalachian State. Two run plays, good, solid, you know, decent chunk yardage. Next play, play action, 40-plus yard deep shot down the left side of the field. They like to set it up and create these exciting plays with tempo, with half-field reads, with moving the quarterback so he's not just doing a standard traditional drop-back pass and all the boring conservative stuff that people think is going to happen no, I think we saw it in the spring game. They moved Richardson across the pocket quite a bit and then let him take shots up the seam. They were just attacking the seams throughout the entire spring game. And those are not easy throws, you know, to throw into the middle of the field with the juice that you need to get through uh, very short throwing windows. It's, it's some complex stuff. It's not just going to be this run and West Coast offense type of deal. There's going to be a lot of room for exciting big plays. Right. And if you go back, you look at the spring game statistics, he threw for about 70%, which is really good. Uh, I think it was like 220, 250. And for having limited time in a spring game and, and going up tempo, and as you said, taking those seam shots, that's that's really good. It's something you like to see in the spring game. And, you know, I think a lot of fans, uh, they think it's going to be like very Will Muschamp-esque, run the ball a lot, play good defense, or maybe some Doug Nussmeyer, the, you know, third and play action kind of crap like that. But uh no, man, I, I'm really like I'm really curious to see how it runs, and I'm not even sure that it may run like he had it at Louisiana Lafayette. It could be a little bit different from that as well. He knows he's in the SEC. He knows he's, you know, 
got to catch up. And I, I think that, that that Billy Napier is really good at like studying what other teams are doing or studying like defensive film and, and, and the SEC. He's not one of those guys that's like just going to sit to the side and just say, oh, my offense works. And, and no. nobody else does. Like Dan Mullen was like that. He was like, my offense is going to work no matter what. No. Billy Napier's going to adjust. He's going to study. He's going to look. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get the best out of the talent around in that offense. So it's pretty cool, man. Like, I haven't seen an up-tempo offense in a while, so I'm kind of curious to that. Uh, you know, Ventrell Miller, Garage, they talked about rivalries. I know Ventrell was asked about what was the biggest rivalry. He said, you know, Georgia, LSU, the main rivalry there. Garage was asked about LSU. First off, you know, the rivalry between LSU and Florida has been a bit chippy. I mean, it's probably not as bad social media-wise as the Florida-Georgia rivalry. But it, it seems like every year LSU always squeaks by somehow, gets the better of us. Even if they're supposed to be the worst team, they'll somehow get the best of us. I mean, you know, we heard these players talk a little bit about uh, the LSU rivalry. Do you get the notion now that these guys really want to make these, you know, take it to these guys at home this year? I do. Um, before I touch on that, I'll add on the up-tempo offense thing with Napier's thoroughness yeah. studying. I don't know if Mullen did this. I would imagine he didn't. Napier and his staff create scouting reports for quite literally every player on opposing teams. They give it to players in their lesson plans throughout the summer as they study these guys. And obviously they put a lot more focus on it that game week or the week before when they start thoroughly studying these opponents, every player at the very least, every contributing player has a scouting report tells you everything you need to know. I mean, just like you said, it's, it's thorough Um, regarding rivalries, right? I think Richard garage even said that to him, the LSU rivalry is the biggest one. Um, don't necessarily quote me on that, but Demetrius was around him and he, had, he said that he had said that. Demetrius Harvey, my coworker over at All Gators. Um, and I think they do. I think it's all a part of the culture that Napier is trying to reinstill. You know, last year, I think a lot of guys lost a lot of their, um, I don't want to say confidence. Um, I think they lost a lot of drive with the environment they were in that, you know what? LSU is just another game to me. Georgia, we're going up against this defense. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm packing it in. I don't think we're going to stand too much of a chance here. And it's going to be way different. They're going to see a lot more passion from the players. And I think it's going to be a trickle-down effect because so far we've seen a lot of passion from the staff. Now, if they have to keep dealing with fans on Twitter complaining about recruiting all the time, are they going to lose some passion? Maybe. But – all I know right now is that everyone I talk to is extremely motivated and Napier's approach to it is he understands if I'm motivated, if my staff is motivated and the right people like Anthony Richardson are motivated, this is going to lead to the freshmen coming in, buying it. This is going to lead to the players that understand they're being brought in purely as depth and probably won't be contributors that every rep you take in practice helps us get better. It helps prepare this first team that's going to be out there. And I think that it's going to lead to a lot more drive across the team and that they'll really be more in unison when it comes to being motivated for these big games. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because I interviewed Michael Tarkman, which will be on this podcast as well. And we were talking about like just talent wise and everything. It, it, it really goes a long way. Even if you don't recruit talent wise to a team's level, of course you want the talent because that's what helps you win games. But having that drive, having that passion, that energy out there to want to win the game, you know, does wonders. I mean, if you look at the 2017 Florida Gators team, 
it was practically the same team when Dan Mullen came in in 2018. That team played very different. It didn't have a lot of talent, don't get me wrong. I mean, it had talent, but like it didn't have star talent, I guess, if you put the stars, if you do the recruiting thing. But they won, what, 10, 11 games at the end of the, the season? They blew out Michigan in the bowl game. And, you know, you finally saw a drive, a passion, and energy. And obviously, it didn't work out for Dan. His drive, his passion, his energy went down along with the team. So it's it's a whole team effort and collaboration. And you're just not going to get that with Billy Napier. So I'm really interested to see how the team performs just having that new invigoration of of the energy of going out there and playing in the SEC. And, and we'll see the first game of the season against Utah. I mean, I'm pretty pumped. I love it when a new head coach comes in here and, and you know, has that energy. And, and Billy Napier doesn't seem like the guy that if everything's going wrong, he's just going to give up and, and just kind of be cocky and arrogant about everything. He's not that type of person. So as I said, man, I'm interested to see the energy, the passion, all that, even in the Utah, even if they lose the Utah game, if it's a great game and they play really great defensively and, and everything else, I mean, I, I'm still excited for the rest of the year because, man, it's you're figuring everything out. First head coach, first game of the season. So, you know, usually some teams improve as they go down the line in the season. And some of them, some of them just stay the same. But, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just really curious to see how the team performs the first game of the season with all the, the ways that, you know, these interviews of these SEC media days. And, uh, you know, most you kind of answered this question. So most SEC preseason assessments have Florida fourth, fifth. I've seen sixth on there, which I think sixth is kind of a stretch. But um, yeah, most of them have fourth in the SEC East right now. I kind of have my opinion about it, too, and I would kind of actually pick them fourth right now just because of the question marks because we don't know how the season's going to shake out. And, of course, I hope they go first, just like you know, all of us do. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on those predictions, man? I know you said you probably said six, seven wins, something like that. But what are your predictions of, like, the SEC East right now? Yeah, and, and mine are obviously conservative and going to piss off Florida fans. I get it. <laughs> Chew me out. Do whatever you want to do. I understand. Um, but again, it's exactly like you said, it took time for Dan Mullen's first team to click. I mean, it's fair to say that the click was South Carolina, right? The eighth or ninth game of that season. Uh, it yep. took time. Ideally you want to see it clicking week one with the passion, with the culture they've built. And I think we might, that doesn't mean they'll win, but you see the fight again. I've, I, this is my, I'm going to preach this until I'm blue in the face. They could start Owen two. They very well could start Owen two this year. But you lose to the defending Pac-12 champion with God knows how many starters returning, but it's an experienced team that has chemistry. You lose to them by less than a touchdown. You lose to Kentucky by, you know, in the final seconds, and it's very close because I do think it'll be closer than last year's game. Yeah. It's fine. He told you we're going to be bad. We're, 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 we don't have the depth. We, we're going to be all right. Buy in, understand that. Because historically speaking, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but this applies in every level of football, high school, college, NFL. First-year staff expectations generally aren't too high. They come in and they have a bunch of one-score games with formidable opponents. Those games turn into wins the next year. Sure, Florida's not playing Texas A&M in 2023, but they lose to Texas A&M at Kyle Field by four points this year. I have full confidence they're going to beat a Texas A&M caliber team in year two because of that result. Um, so as long as that passion is there, the drive is there, and it doesn't take until week nine or 10 to click, but it's there as we've seen throughout the offseason in week one, I really 
can't foresee a reason to complain other than it's as simple as you don't like watching Florida lose. But you, if you get the context, if you understand the expectations, and if you are willing to listen to what Billy Napier is telling you about this team, and you see those results uh, even in losses, then I think you should still have confidence that things will be corrected and get to the right place sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too, uh, with with just depth. I think the depth part of the team is why the predictions are kind of made there. Because even if you think about it, maybe there's some injuries on the offensive line. Like, I mean, you know, you're you're having these guys that probably didn't get a lot of experience in practice when Dan Mullen was here because we we hear all the kids say that only the really the ones and twos got the practice when Dan Mullen was here. No threes and fours. Now they separated fields. Everybody's getting practice reps. It also, you got to think, man, what happens if, if Richardson even goes down for a game or something like that? Like, yeah. who's going to back him up? I mean, like, I know Jack Miller, he, he's only had like 40 snaps at Ohio State, really didn't get to, you know, engage in the offense there that much, transfers to a school, learns a new system, and he's, he's going to need time. So it's not a knock on Jack Miller. He could be a really great quarterback in about another year. We don't know. But I think it's just the question marks, and that's why they're ranked that they are. But, of course, we all want them to go first in the SEC, win the playoff, win a national championship. That's the goal every year. But, you know, if you're going to make a modest decision as a media member, you don't want to say something really stupid if you have a bunch of question marks and say, yeah, we're going to be number one, and then everybody makes fun of you when we're, like, fifth or something like that. So You, you mean, like, when Vanderbilt got a first-place vote in the SEC East? Yeah. Who, <laughs> do you know who did that? It's anonymous. I, I hope that they never tell anyone <laughs> that they voted for Vanderbilt first that has that, that has to be a joke that that had to have been like yes. hey I dare you to give them a first place vote I, I probably and the, someone's gonna hang that up on their wall as I was that guy <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah I I'm with you and I think it goes without saying about Richardson because we understand his injury history and I, I personally don't think Jack Miller is ready to play SEC football right now right. um but Look at the offensive line, like you said. I think they have good depth at guard. I think Josh mm -hmm. Braun has got to be one of the best swing guards in the country. But tackle. Richard Garage goes down. Who's playing? Is it Austin Barber, a redshirt freshman who was like a 700-ish ranked tackle in his class a year ago? Is it Jordan Herman, who you just pulled in from a JUCO college and has been here for two months? Is it Cameron Waits? Same deal unknown prospect but a total project who has all the potential in the world at like six eight 370 pounds but again like none of those guys are really ideal options right now they might have strong futures and they have intangibles but they are not stepping in for richard garage and getting the job done at his level in the first year of this development program at least until well into the season it's just how it's going to be you can say that at every position on the roster, except for maybe guard and I'll go corner. I think they're pretty strong at corner. Um, but even defensive tackle, like I'm concerned about their starters there. They've got Jervon. They've got Desmond Watson, who I think is a very good run stuffer and is going to play a lot like he did as a freshman, which really was impressive if you consider it. He played every game as a freshman at 420 pounds, but he's 420 pounds, maybe yeah. less now but you can't put him on the field for more than 20 to 30 snaps in a game. And he's not a good pass rusher yet because his build is to be a run stopper. If you're having these questions with the starters, 
much less like, you know, a starter can't play more than 50% of your snaps. I don't know who in their right mind could possibly saying Florida definitely has a chance to unseat Georgia or finish in that number two spot. They'll be the second best team. They'll get 10 wins like based on what, like what proof do you have for that? So of course I'm going to be conservative. And I think four is the sweet spot because I don't see it necessarily. It was South Carolina and unless they catch lightning in a bottle, I don't see Vanderbilt finishing sixth in the East, much less first. Um, and who am I, I? I had Tennessee and Kentucky ahead of Florida um, in my rankings when I submitted my ballot. But again, they one score loss to Kentucky. They could beat Tennessee. Yeah. They just it's just how it is. They could. Um, so again, my, my predictions are very much up in the air. I will feel much better once I see a game or two, but there's good reason for conservative, um, just viewpoints on this season and this regime change when it all goes back to, again, Napier's told us from the very start, this is just the state of the Florida roster. Right. And, uh, I kind of like the fact that, uh, People are putting them at like fourth. I like I like the bulletin board material. I love it when we're like picked like last or whatever at anything because it's, you know the players see it, so it drives them to play mm. better. Uh, so I kind of like the bulletin board material there, if you call it that. But of course, it's an expert opinion. You're picking what you honestly think, so it's not like you're doing it on purpose or anything like that. But I, I just I I kind of like it, man. I'm really I'm pumped. I'm ready for the season. And uh, you never know, man. Anthony Richardson, as we talked, I think, two weeks ago with Nick, I said maybe Anthony Richardson has a Cam Newton-like season. You know, Auburn wasn't that talented of a team. And when Cam Newton came in 2010 and all of a sudden brings him to a national championship, it could be that. It could not be. We don't know because there's question marks. So that's why. That I mean, I, I could probably tell you Auburn probably wasn't picked first in the SEC West that year when Cam Newton transferred over there. No, definitely not. And... and- I will say, I think Florida fans should hope Anthony Richardson doesn't have a Cam Newton-like year. Ideally, I I would want him back in 24 with the way the quarterback room goes. But that's, that's the true. thing. Like, let's say Anthony Richardson has a Cam Newton-type year, and yet they still finish seven and five. Like, Florida's kind of screwed because he is going to the NFL. Right. Bearing he's just you know the hometown kid. I get there's a different type of appeal. Maybe he would come back even after a Cam Newton year. But like. He has a Cam Newton year. He's, you know, Will Levis is getting top five pick talk right now. And I don't know about that. He drink, he drinks coffee with Mayo. Um, <laughs> so it like, I personally would want to see substantial growth, obviously. But if I'm a Florida fan, I'm telling Anthony Richardson, chill, bro. Like, don't, don't put up one of the best seasons in Florida history as a quarterback, man. We need you back here in 24. That's right. And just to let you guys know, I had coffee this morning and I put coffee made creamer in it. I did not put any mayonnaise in it. So I might have to Same try here. that out, man. Like, no, I mean, don't do it. <laughs> it's disgusting. I've not tried it, but man, I can't, I can't watch that. And he did that twice too. I saw him at media days doing that too. I was like, how does he do that? that, that that's just insane. But yeah, it, it, it might be the breakfast of champions. Who knows? It may be a new concoction we see out there on the shelves one day. It you ain't going to be me. Heinz, <laughs> it's, it ain't gonna be me. Heinz mayonnaise creamer coming to a shelf near you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish that we were. Uh, I wish you had a YouTube page so people could see my look of disgust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was nasty. But you know, 
Hey, I'll, I'll say this, man. I, I hope Anthony Richardson has a great year. I hope uh, if we don't make it to a playoff national championship, maybe we get him back another year, maybe up some NIL money for him, make him stay a little bit if he gets like a third or second round draft pick or something like that. But, yeah. I mean, if he's going first round, he's gone anyway. That money is so much bigger than any NIL deal you'll get in college to, to stay at a program. So uh, we'll see, man. We'll see, man. Uh, SEC media days. I'm sure it was hectic for you guys at Sports Illustrated. A busy time there, but a fun time because we can all smell the itch of SEC football. But one last thing before you go, Zach. It's not related to SEC media days. What do you think about this Malik Bryant situation? Oh, recruiting. Yeah, everyone's favorite topic. Um, it's the off-season it's, topic, man. It's all recruiting. I think it's way bigger picture than a lot of Florida fans Um see right now just because and and obviously there's a lot more optimism after stokes webb and eugene wilson that like suddenly uh, tj crc isaiah nixon sharif denson like we started to see it come together but people are waiting for that major domino to fall and malik bryant is one of those big dominoes i know that he is a tier one prospect on florida's board and anyone involved in Florida recruiting understands that he is one of those prizes. Um, I, uh, if you would have asked me on Friday where I thought this was going, I truthfully would have said Florida. And I know that's a different opinion than a lot of people had because he was widely viewed to be a Miami lean at the time. And it's led to a lot of Florida fans thinking, okay, this is good. He pushed it back. This is good news for Florida because he was a Miami lean. I don't necessarily agree or disagree because again, my, my take was that I thought he was going to end up at Florida. And now I view it as no one really knows if someone's yep. telling you that Florida's in a better position. Now they don't actually know that it's a theory. Same deal with Miami. Uh, I made the tweet about it yesterday that there are Florida fans and Miami fans saying it's better for them. Just as much as there are Florida fans saying, congrats, Miami, you got them. Miami fans saying, all right, he, Malik Bryant's a Gator. Some of them saying, um, Congrats to Bama for coming in at the 11th hour and swooping in. Although it is interesting to me that Malik never got an official visit there. Makes me wonder if that's a possibility. Um, I think I even saw someone say congrats to the Terrapins go Maryland because Maryland is in his top four. <laughs> Bottom line is at this point, everyone is in the dark. Yeah, I don't trust any predictions that come out at this point. All I know is from the people I've talked to is that I wouldn't necessarily expect this to be a now Malik's going to wait until December type of deal. I do think he'll at the very least reschedule his commitment in the near future. I don't know if it'll be set for the immediate future, but we should get an update. I would think sooner rather than later as to where things kind of go from here as it pertains to Malik Bryant. Yeah, and I'll say this, hats off to Malik Bryant, man. He's got everybody guessing now, so nobody mm -hmm. can predict his commitment when he comes in there. We've seen him post videos of scared buddy don't make money. He's posting videos on Instagram and gator shorts, and, 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 and if he's trying to pull off the thing of like fans thinking it's an elaborate troll, he's got everybody bought in because that's hilarious, man. So we'll just have to see where Malik Bryant ends up at and whenever he decides he wants to commit, and uh Man, it's recruiting season when it's the off season, and there's the big roller coaster ride of recruiting that we always ride every season. And uh, you know, Twitter's going nuts right now, but hey, you know, we got Friday Night Lights coming up here next week, and I'll be covering that soon. But Zach, man, uh, thank you for joining me once again on Getting Swamp, man. I appreciate your expertise there from SEC Media Days, and uh, glad you got to check out Atlanta, man. 
Yeah, I had a lot of fun, man. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to coming back here soon with you and um, wherever you want to take this pod in the season. I know it's going to be a big year for you as well, and I'm I'm excited to be along for the ride with it. Um, and I, like I said earlier, was certainly excited to be out in Atlanta, not so much for the work, I guess, but it was a good time. Glad that I got to recap it with you. Maybe we'll be there again towards uh, the end of the year there for the SEC championship. How about that? That'd be cool. Demetrius pulled up this restaurant called The Food Shop right there in downtown. Yeah. Trying to go back. <laughs> I'm trying to go back very soon. Yeah, let's hope that happens this year, man. And maybe we can all do go as a group. How about that? That's good with me. That's what makes it fun. That's what it's all about. I'll buy you a couple shots, man. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, Zach. Thank you for joining me on Getting Swamp, man. Thank you. Hey. What if I told you you could double your money in just a matter of minutes? Sounds too good to be true, right? No, no, no. This isn't me asking you if you want to extend your car's warranty or anything here, folks. This is your boy, David Soderquist, giving you the easiest opportunity to get back a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Join Prize Picks right now with promo code SWAMP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 of your own money. It's that simple, guys. I mean, Price Picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and even esports. So, for all you streamers and gamers out there who have their favorite Warzone, Call of Duty player, uh, World of Warcraft, any game, and any tournament, you can also choose them in a pick 'em, prop bet, or even take the over under on their final score against an opponent. It's really that simple. Join Price Picks right now with promo code SWAMPED, and you'll get up to double your money to $100. PrizePicks.com, the easiest and fastest way to play daily fantasy sports. Ready, set. You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. All right, folks, that was Zach Goodall from SI.com giving his takes on SEC media days and a few nuggets and thoughts from his times out there in Atlanta and his thoughts on the upcoming season. As we mentioned a lot about Billy Napier and how he has really stuck to his principles, been zoned in on what he wants out of his players and staff. And speaking of what Billy wants out of his players, I caught up with offensive lineman Michael Tarquin to get his thoughts on the new staff some of the happenings around campus, and even took some of your fan questions as well. We will have that interview on the second part of Getting Swamped, coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White and Sons Woodcarving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining 
The Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, folks, joining me today on Getting Swamped, offensive lineman Michael Tarkwood. And Michael, I don't know about you, but fall camps on the horizon. How pumped are you for some SEC football? I can't wait. Uh, We've been working really hard, really, since January. Um, I feel like this team has been coming together in a really strong way. You know, new staff, there's a lot to learn, a lot to get used to. But uh, I feel like gradually, just throughout um, winter workouts and spring, and then you know, through the regiment program that the coaches have implemented just through, you know, nine weeks in summer, I think uh, as a team, we've handled things really well. And I'm really pumped for the season. I'm excited to see how things go. And I know as a team, we're really excited about it. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see you all you guys out there, obviously as a fan, but, uh, you know, when you've got the players pumped up and ready to go for the season too, that's always a plus. Let's talk about high school here. You came into the recruiting process, a highly touted recruit, a top 250 guy. Uh, tell me what it's like, man. I mean, you're probably 16 or so at the t- at the time. You're getting these phone calls, cards in the mail, et cetera. What's that like being like that young, having coaches calling you constantly and just being a just being a regular kid in high school? Yeah, no, it's uh, I think it's cool you brought that up because I feel like, uh, you know, it's interesting, as you mentioned, you know, being a 16 year old kid and you get all of this attention from all these different schools out of nowhere. Um I thought, I thought it was a really cool process. I enjoyed it because, you know, it was a dream growing up, you know, getting scholarship offers, playing college football. Um, but I think it's really cool not only to, uh, you know, make that dream come true and have multiple different opportunities from schools all across the country. I also think, uh, like, I also thoroughly enjoyed getting the chance to meet a bunch of different people um, aside from just going to see different schools. And I got, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I used to struggle with anxiety a lot. So, like, I could imagine, like, if I was a, a, yeah, for sure. a high school football no, player. Definitely, definitely nerve-wracking being in some head coaches' offices for the first time. Yeah, it's got to be tiring, too, right? I mean, you're – I mean, yeah, you, you sure. obviously you want to meet the coaches because you, you're interested in the school, so you want to meet them. But, man, you got to make time to do that. you got to yeah. fly out. So I could imagine cool. what that process is like, especially for a young kid. Um yeah. You know, well, now you're grown, you're in college. Uh, you came into the 2019 class under Coach Mullen, Coach Hevesy. Yep. Obviously, the coaching change happens. And I ask this to every player because I like to get a general consensus from all of them. Uh, what was that transition like from Mullen to Napier? Um, you know, it's been different. And uh, I feel like we're still, you know, obviously we had the opportunity to, you know, as I mentioned earlier, go through January winter workouts and spring and then now summer. So we had, a, I feel like we had a good opportunity to get a feel for the coaches during spring balls, you know, get used to them, see how they coach. Um, I feel like it's different because now we have two offensive line coaches. That's a big change. Um, something that I've never experienced throughout my career. And I feel like there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, you know, coach state coach sale, like one day they'll be working with the guard, state ledgers for say, for example, like one day state will just be working with the guards, centers, and tier guys and sale so have tackles and they'll switch. So like, you know, you don't get tired of one coach and uh, you know, if one guy's giving you a hard time and, you know, they can just pick up on that and get a break and get a feel for somebody else. So I do really like that. It's been different, but I feel like not only uh, myself, but in the line room uh, as a group, we've been responding well to it. And I feel like we've got a lot out of it. 
And then as a team, I've heard a lot of positive stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of positive changes that uh, Napier has implemented. Um, I'm sure you've heard about it. You know, I feel like Gator Nation has heard a lot about it. Just the parking changes and then uh, the nutrition side of things have been huge. Um, so, yeah, but overall it's been good. Yeah, now you, you mentioned Rob Sale, Darnell Stapleton, the two coaches. Uh, what have these guys really emphasized as coaches on the, for the offensive line? Um, if I could pick one thing, it's just to play hard. I mean, you know, that's with anything you need to do. But, you know, like they have a lot of respect for guys who, you know, really put in a lot of effort and, uh, you know, like he usually always uses the term like a low burner. He does not like guys who go throughout the day, go throughout practice, not putting in full energy, full effort. And, uh, you know, just putting in a lot of effort. That's really important. And they put a lot of emphasis on that. Yeah. And I interviewed Lloyd Summerall a while back, a couple months ago, and he said that, you know, with the last staff, I, I guess there wasn't that many guys getting reps, but now with the new staff, everybody's getting reps. Is that correct? <laughs> That's a very, another good thing as well. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, example of it too. I didn't really think about that, but uh, yeah, no, no ones uh, get a lot of reps and what we'll do. And I know we're going to do this at fall camp. We'll have like ones, twos on one field, one threes, fours on another field. And I think that's great. Um, not only to make sure like starters are getting reps and twos are getting reps, but also young guys coming in. I think that's going to be really good for helping develop younger players, getting a lot more reps earlier on. So they're better prepared. Yeah, absolutely, man. I got a fan question here, too, from Steve Miller. Actually, it's a pretty good question because I was wondering that, too. Has there been a larger emphasis on zone blocking? Um, I yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, we're going to run the football a lot, you know, as you can see what they did at UL. Um, and there's actually a lot more similarity, similarities with some of the stuff we do. It's just how we do it you know, how we ID certain things and some of the technical things. But, yeah, I would say so for sure. We definitely – we did in spring run the football a lot, and uh, there's going to be a big emphasis on the zone. Has there been a uh, running back that maybe uh, stood out to you, or is it just kind of like maybe all the running backs are doing well? Has there been like a guy that's really, I mean, kind of, I guess, not even really take the reins, but just made some really impressive plays? Yeah, I mean – you know, I've noticed guys, you know, the guys that have already been here, Lawrence Erlingard, you know, Naquan Wright, dudes like that. I've been able to see that, um, you know, from years in the past. But, uh, you know, obviously Montreal coming in, you know, getting to know him and getting him, getting the chance to see him play ball and play with him in spring. You know, he's, we're really excited about him. I'm happy to play with him. And Jay Bateman, he came out a while back, and I know he's a different position coach, but he said the uh, there was a lot of penalties last year. I believe they were yep. ranked 120th in penalties. How's the emphasis been on penalties? Uh, big emphasis, and I think it gets back to uh, a lot bigger issues. Like, well, I think when you look at something like that and you look at any football team and you see on the field issues like that, I think a big problem with that is discipline, and that's something we targeted – Back in January, um, just with one-on-one -on -one meetings and team meetings with the new staff, we collectively um, not only recognize that, you know, we have a discipline issue um, and everyone needs to be held to a higher standard. Um, and I feel like we did a good job of dealing with that. And I feel like discipline, if you deal with off the field stuff, you know, how, one, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know, if you have guys that are not going to class, not going to training appointments, 
weren't showing up late for things, then comes time to play a game and it's no, you know, mystery. Like if there's going to, we're going to have extra penalties. Like I feel like everything correlates and that's something we've done a really good job of is t- targeting the disciplinary stuff. And I think it'll turn over really well and fix those issues. Yeah. And let me ask you too, uh, I know you guys had a relationship with the last staff and I'm not even really trying to go after the last staff, but would you say that maybe some of the discipline issues, maybe with the last staff weren't being taken care of as it is now? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think a large part of that was uh, as well is uh, you look at some guys coming in freshman year right into COVID. I feel like COVID uh, was not a very good situation for a lot of young guys to come in. Like I know me, I early enrolled, you know, I got a full year, a regular year, nothing really got in the way of that. So I was able to develop and understand the flow of things and how things are really supposed to go. And then you get some freshmen coming in and COVID you know, we're separated all the time. We're on Zoom meetings. They're not required to do near as much. And uh, they're not really held near as accountable as they are now. But um, I just think looking at that, like guys coming in with the COVID year. And uh, so like and now it's become a lot better, especially with what the new staff has implemented and the focus on discipline. Now, is there, we've talked about that, but is there new drive and new energy amongst all the teammates now with this new staff? You know, it, it's been seven months now, so I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure when Napier first got here in the new staff, everybody, you know, didn't know who he was, probably maybe even struggled because, I mean, you get used to certain things, right? So you adapt to certain mm-hmm. things. Did anybody, did you see any struggles to begin with, but then now everybody's starting to be more on board, starting to get used to everything, the phases, all that other kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, you, you're playing for one coach for a few years, like you're recruited by this one coach, everyone gets used to it. So you're obviously going to feel a little, you're going to, some guys are going to feel some type of way when the completely new staff comes in because you're used to these coaches for the, how many, however many years you've been in the program. And um, like, I feel like at first that's how a lot of people felt. And, uh, but since then getting to know the new staff, I feel like everyone has changed their attitude towards it. And uh has liked a lot of what Coach Napier has implemented and changed. Yeah, as you uh, you don't even have to name the teammates, but have you seen some of your teammates like grow more as a person around with the new coaching well, staff? Yeah, yeah, you know, I know you said you don't have to mention any specific names, but I one thing I will say is um, I feel like one thing that Napier has done that's really good in terms of like this team standpoint and the camaraderie is I feel like we're not only you know gelling what a lot more a lot better. And like our position groups, I feel like, you know, a lot of guys are able to communicate a lot better and get to know a lot of other guys from different position groups. Like, uh, you know, I haven't seen it since I've been here. Like now I've seen like linemen talk to DBs more and so on and so forth, getting a much better relationship with other position groups outside of your own. It's been really good. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because, I mean, you see these teams, maybe they have the more talented guys, you'll say like an Alabama or Georgia or a Clemson, but like – Team cohesion and drive and passion and energy is really what drives a team totally. to be, be victorious. And, and when people start losing that passion, they start losing that drive. It just it gets worse. It gets worse and worse. Yep. So it's good to see that uh, you know the staff. They actually you know they care. They want you guys to know everybody on the team. And you know I've met Billy Napier at the Atlanta Gator Gathering. This is the first time I ever seen him in person. I didn't really get to talk to him that much because he had to go, but uh, I've seen him in person. Uh, 
seems real genuine, seems real honest. He is a, uh, he's an OBS guy from what I look like, but he, he can joke too. And he's a, he's a, is there sure. any kind of side to Billy Napier uh, that you like the most? I think you just hit it on the head, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, there's not much to it, you know, uh, he's very transparent and, uh, you know, there's time to work, there's time to play. Um, you know, he's, he coaches really hard and he's very stern with what he wants, not only individually for certain players, but, you know, us as a team collectively, but at the same time, like, you know, if I see him in the hall or if anyone sees him in the hall, you could easily go up to him, just talk to him about anything. So that, that side of the relationship has been a good change as well. And I think not only myself, but a lot, a lot of guys on the team have noticed that and really liked it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it too, man. Uh, just as a fan and just seeing like the the players uh, being happy and then the, the coaching staff being on board with them and then how the head coach treats the players. Uh, it really, like for me, for somebody that covers the team, it, it really means a lot to me because I know you guys are taken care of. Everything's going fine. And um, obviously, you know, Coach Stavage, he was here. Mark Hockey here weight training how's that been i saw princely human Milan squat like 700 pounds man wow. crazy very <laughs> impressive How, how's the weight room been how's weight training been and all of that it's been good um it's been really good i feel like uh and another thing like like as i mentioned earlier you know same thing with you know you get used to mullen you know a lot of guys including myself were recruited by mullen same like we developed a, developed a big relationship with uh savage and his staff so Obviously, we get a new staff coming in, and some guys are not going to be opposed to it at first. But I feel like over time, we've gotten used to it, and uh, it's been different. I feel like we're in a lot better shape um, conditioning-wise. We do a lot more running, and I feel like a lot of guys at first did not like that. But in the long run, you know, I feel like a lot of guys appreciate it. I know I do personally. You know, I feel really good going into the season. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm 37, so I don't like running that much anymore. So <laughs> I'm not a big yeah. fan. Um, but, I mean, so you've talked about, like, the, the more running and how what they're doing there. And I heard a lot of players, especially in the Gator Collective space that me and David hosted, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It's a lot of those guys are getting faster. Do you, you know, do you guys oh, have, sure. like, charts, yeah. keep it up with the speed, all that other kind of stuff? Or, or y'all keep yeah, it up with, like, do. strength? Yeah, no, we uh, we use what's called a catapult, which is a device that they place on us that like tracks our, you know, max velocity, you know, while we're running and stuff like that. So it's good to see those numbers. And it's also fun to, you know, compete with guys in your position group. And a lot of guys, you know, are excited to see those numbers, see who's faster and just, you know, be really competitive while we're training. It's a catapult. What is that? Like a wristband or is it a... It's a device that how it works is, you know like a Velcro strap on the back of your shirt and they put this device in and they're able to track you all your movements okay. uh, while you're working out running. That's pretty cool. Cause then that makes it more competitive for everybody else. Cause everybody else Absolutely. wants to have better times than the other person. So that's exactly, yeah. <laughs> everybody that's wins in the end, right? Major benefit. So let me ask you, man, uh, who is one of your favorite teammates on the team and why? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I'd say Riley Simons, um, a guy a lot of guys, a lot of people don't know, maybe because he hasn't played that much since he's been here. But, uh, you know, Riley's been a great friend to me. And, uh, you know, whether it's getting extra work, just hanging out outside of training or football, he's a really good dude. And, uh, you know, one of the people I'm very glad I met since I've been at UF. Absolutely. What was it like seeing Richard Garage out there at SEC Media Days, man? Oh, it was awesome. 
Richard's another guy, great teammate. Um, gotten to get to know Richard real well since I've been here. It was awesome. I'm really happy for him. Very well deserved. You know, he's a guy who's not only been a great leader, but he's also put a lot into this program and this university. So it's awesome to see him get the opportunity to go do something like that and represent our team well. Yeah, absolutely. And spe- speaking of leaders, uh, obviously a lot of teams, they rally around the quarterback. Uh, how's Anthony Richardson been as that that vocal quarterback leader? He's been good. He's been really good. Um, you know, I feel like, as you mentioned, everyone's quick to, you know, go listen to the quarterback. But I feel like at times you get some quarterbacks and some teams that aren't vocal enough or don't aren't don't um, communicate or talk to their guys enough off the field. But uh, Anthony does, is not like that at all. Anthony's really good at communicating and being a leader. And, you know, same thing, like, as I mentioned earlier with Navy, like even off the field, you can go up and talk to him anytime you want in the hallway, like anyone on the team. Like he has a good relationship with almost everybody and it's not just on the field. He's always communicating off the field as well. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because there's some people that are just like really shy, timid, and and they want to say something, but like, they're just too afraid to do it. (laughs) And I think that like, if, if you can give them them some kind of camaraderie confidence, like maybe even as a coach, I don't know, maybe they're more liable to speak up, but that's cool though. That's cool to know that Anthony Richardson, he he's, you know, being that vocal kind of leader. And, and a lot of kids are starting to take a, a leadership approach from the, the guys that I've interviewed too. So it's cool that all the guys are trying to take a leadership approach and just try to do the right things. And, and, and Anthony's like kind of leading the way a little bit too, along with the coaching staff. So that's cool to hear, man. Um, cool. Change the subject here, man. New facility. It's coming in August. Have you had a chance to get like a sneak peek of it in person yet? Or are you still guys have the the little digital thing <laughs> that they've been running? For the most running? part, we've uh, we've only seen like blueprints and stuff. But uh, I've been we've been able to see a little bit of a sneak peek. Um, like <laughs> we can see it through the end door while we're doing our runs and stuff and OTAs. But uh, like we're really excited. I know I'm really excited. You know, this is something that we heard about in recruiting. And then it got pushed back with COVID. So we were excited about it then. And then we're finally, like, it's finally going to be here. And I know I can't wait. I know everyone else is very excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. What, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get in there, man? Ooh, I can't. I'm very excited for the sauna, steam room, and just the large cold tub, all that stuff. I'm uh, excited for the training room stuff, personally. But uh, I know a lot of guys are going to be excited for, like, the lounge and stuff like that. Yeah. I, and I, when the pool's built. I've seen the virtual tour of it because they put it out there and uh, there's just so much, man. Like, I don't even know what would yeah. be my favorite thing to do there because there's so many favorite things all jumbled into one. So, <laughs> yeah, um, there's even going to be a pool in the back. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, I, I saw like, but the rooftop looks like a beach resort <laughs> or something yep. like that. So it's crazy, man. Uh, if I get down there, I, I probably wouldn't be able to see it, but <laughs> maybe one day I'll be able to take a tour of that place. But yeah, um, I'm Shelton, who uh, was recently interviewing a lot of the players for the Gator Collective event here last Sunday, he wants to ask, which person on the O-line would win in an arm wrestling match? Ooh, that's a good one. I'd probably say Ethan, Ethan White. Ethan White, he's a big boy. And speaking of that, so I was sitting, the first game of the season last year, I was sitting right near the tunnel. I had good tunnel seats right in the front. Mm -hmm. Um, Ethan White, his mom was there. She came up to like, you know, give him a hug, whatever, talk to him. 
that's right. a big dude, man. Oh, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> I was I was standing <laughs> up on a level above him on the bleachers, and the kid was still taller than I was. Yeah. I was like, wow, he's, he's big. So I, how big is Osiris Torrance, man? I'm hearing that he's uh, he's large and in charge over there. He's very large. He's yeah. uh he's really big. It's good playing next to him, having some beef in there, able to set some three techs, makes my job easier. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I, I could. I could imagine, man. I saw pictures of him and Cameron Waits on the internet, and I was like, "Well, if I right, if Cam's I think one. <laughs> Ethan White is big, then Osiris Torres is pretty pretty much." Yeah, no, I don't feel small around many people. I feel small next to Cam. Cam's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I bet. Uh, last question for you here: Jump past fifteen from Twitter. Ask who is his offensive line idol, which is you, who's his offensive line idol, and who can we expect him to remind us of on the field as he has to choose that player? That's a good question. Um, damn. Just from any any era, NFL, college? Yeah, any NFL, college, any kind of person maybe you look up to, maybe um, offensive line. It, it, it doesn't even have to be offensive line. Maybe it could just be anybody. I'm a big fan of Taylor Lewan. I like the motor he plays with. Um, I like okay. the way he approaches the game. Um, just like not only him in the NFL, I like watching him at Michigan. Um, I think he plays the game the right way um, with violence and also with an attitude. And I also love his motor and you know, the way he attacks things. It's someone I try to model my game off of, and I love watching his tape. Yeah, absolutely, man. I used to like, and I can't remember his name right now. He played on defense. It's he played on the Raiders, and it I can't. His name is slipping my mind right now. It's like on the tip of my tongue. But uh, man, he was violent, like really violent. And he, and he passed away. He's no longer uh, with us anymore. But uh, it was Lyle Zotto. That's who it was. Lyle oh, yeah. Zotto yeah. from the Raiders, exactly man. Yeah, yeah, yep. big movie star guy too. Yep. <laughs> He's a crazy guy. Okay, man. The ESPN special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I watched that whole special too, man. I think it was, what, a 30 for 30? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I did say last question, but I want to thank Gator Collective because I would not be able to do these player interviews without the Gator Collective. And I want to ask you, man, uh, Gator Collective, it's benefited people like us who have podcasts or media guys, whatever. How has the Gator Collective benefited you? Um, it's been great. Um, you know, you see all these colleges, all these universities are all around the country, um, have all these different programs in order to compensate, you know, provide compensation for these athletes. So it's been great. I'm very thankful for it, all the work they've done and including, you know, the whole team players on the team to, you know, give them the compensation for everything we do. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely, man. So all you folks out there who are deciding whether they want to donate to the collective or not, you know, it does help people like Michael Tarquin and other people out there as well. So if you're questioning that, just listen to him and listen to the other players I've interviewed and uh, donate, man. Donate if you can. Some some people can. They don't have the money for it. I, I get that. Uh, my wife watches our checking account like a hawk, so she would probably kill me if I donated anything right now. So, But I am trying to convince her to do that so far so we'll see how that works but uh mike thank you for joining me on getting swap man and if you got anything else to say to the gator fans or whatever you could say it or you can give us a go gators or whatever you want what do you got for us no i just uh, really appreciate you having me on and uh you know you mentioned earlier about the fans asking the fans to donate that's another thing i forgot to mention is we greatly appreciate all the fan support it really means a lot 
you know, not only for helping the Gator Collective, but, you know, we wouldn't be where we at as a program um, without the fans. So we're greatly appreciated for that. We pr- greatly appreciate the fans for that. And uh, we can't wait for this season. Go Gators. Go Gators, man. And I appreciate you for coming on the podcast and taking time out of your day and your busy schedule to join me today. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. All right, man. Thank you for joining me on Getting Swamp, Mike. Yep. Thank you. All right. Offensive lineman Michael Tarquin getting his take on the new staff, some of the changes the new staff has brought here to the University of Florida. And I, I, I like to ask these kids some of the same questions because I like to see the different responses and different opinions of how the staff is doing thus far. And I, and I can say this, all of the responses, albeit different ones, have been all pretty positive. So I can rest assured that this football team is being taken care of under the Billy Napier regime. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped in a big week coming up for Florida Gator recruiting. Friday Night Light sits on the horizon this coming weekend, and I'll be covering everything that happens between now and Friday Night Lights on the next episode of Getting Swamped with a huge guest lined up for next Saturday. But folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.